He is awesome. He is awesome. He is worthy. Um, I love that song. Thank you all for leading us. Uh, beautiful. Um, we serve a beautiful, precious, holy God. We serve a perfect Lord. He is our Father, our Heavenly Father, who is perfect, who is kind, who is gentle in heart, who is humble and a servant. And I'm just so happy to be with you all this morning. God is faithful. Amen. God is so faithful. He is so good. And he has a word for you all this morning. Um, as uh, Tammy said, Pastor Mike is not well. Please continue to pray for him. Um, so he tagged me, and I'm it. So uh, <laughs> I'm here this morning with y'all. Um, so we're going to be looking at a, the verse that Evan read this morning out of Hebrews. And I love those. It's just three verses. But those verses are so profound and just packed with uh, God's truth and goodness about who we are, about who he is, and what we get to do in this life. Uh, and it's in Hebrews chapter 12, 1 through 3. And I just want to read these verses and expound on it a little bit and um, allow you to identify with one of these steps or one of these actions that the author implores us to take and to do in our lives and that you would know him, uh, you would know him more, love him better, as Pastor Mike says. I just want to implore you to look at these verses with me as we um, as we're encouraged by him. So let's just read together. We're going to be reading Hebrews 12, uh, verses 1 through 3, and it will be on the screens. If not, there's some Bibles in the back, and you can also follow along on your phones if you like as well. So here we go, Hebrews chapter 12. Therefore, since therefore, since we are surrounded by such a great cloud of witnesses, let us throw off everything that hinders and the sin that so easily entangles, and let us run with perseverance the race marked out for us, fixing our eyes on Jesus, the pioneer and perfecter of our faith. For the joy set before him, he endured the cross, scorning its shame, and sat down at the right hand of the throne of God. Consider him who endured such opposition from sinners so that you will not grow weary and lose heart. Join me in prayer. Father God, you are holy. Lord, we thank you so much for your grace and for your mercies that are new every morning. God, thank you, Lord, for being here with us. You said when two or more gathered in your name, there you are in the midst. Thank you, Father God, for your spirit. Thank you, Lord, for your truth that is alive, that is active. Thank you, Father God, for every heart in this room, every heart listening on Facebook. I pray that your word, Lord God, would penetrate minds and hearts and that we'd see transformation happen from the inside out. We thank you, Father, that we can gather together as brothers and sisters and as your children. We love you, Father, and we give you all the praise and all the glory. In this name we pray. Amen. Amen, amen. All right. So we first see the word, therefore. Can somebody say, therefore? All right, and as Pastor Mike says a lot, when you see the word therefore, you got to know why it is therefore. You've been listening. Good job. Okay, so it's there because uh, previously the author is talking about all these amazing men and women of God who trusted Jesus in some very, very difficult times in their lives. Some very difficult times, and they had trust and put their faith in Jesus in the midst of it. You know them. You've heard of the names like Abraham, Noah, Moses, Sarah, David, Ruth. All of these men and women who love Jesus and have trusted him and put their faith in him through some very hard times. And the idea is that we can look to these men and women uh, for encouragement uh, if we are growing weary, if we're starting to lose heart, if we're starting to get worried about our life and what's going to happen in the next few years. We can remember these people who went before us and believed in Jesus. 
So um, I want to encourage you, we're going to look at four things that uh, Hebrews 12, 1 through 3 talks about, and I just want you to identify maybe where you might be in one of those four areas uh, in your life right now. And so he says, uh, the first thing, therefore, since we are surrounded by a great cloud of witnesses, let us throw off or remove, lay aside. Can somebody say remove? remove. All right. So remove. What are we removing? What are we removing? We are removing everything, everything that hinders, everything that is an encumbrance, everything that is an obstruction, everything. We're removing everything that hinders. That's what we're doing. Every weight, every burden, we're removing it. Now, the Bible talks a lot about the word burden. You know, Jesus addresses that word burden. And the word burden actually means it's a load, typically a heavy one. And so today we're going to talk about removing something, which is the weight. Can somebody say weight? So we're going to remove the weight. And biblically, physically, you know, spiritually, it's, it's accurate. It talks about a weight. And if, if I were to pick up my cajon and stand right here, okay, I would be, it would be a little bit more. If I hopped on the scale, I would, it would be a little bit more pounds, right? If I have the cajon in my hand, if I pick this table up right now, Okay, it's a little bit more weight if I were to stand on a scale. And so the reality is weight comes in different forms. There is the weight of worry. And worry tends to put this weight on us. Does anybody know what I'm talking about? Right? When we worry, it kind of puts this weight on us. That it's just this kind of feeling where I'm not free. I am not free and I'm not operating the way I was designed. And it is a weight. It is a burden, a a, a load on you when we worry. And so weight comes in the form of worry. And sometimes for me, um, I know my worry is I think about what what people have to say. I think too much about what people may think of me. And that's, you may say, Aaron, get over that. That's, That's stupid. Come on, get over it. And I wish I could just, you know, snap my fingers and sometimes I go away. But that's just one of the worries I have. Or sometimes I worry about the future. You know, like what's going to happen in, you know, five years. So that's just me. But maybe that's not where you are. Maybe your worry might be uh, children. It might be finances. It might be death. Whatever. Whatever. We have different worries that kind of weigh us down. And so um, that weight starts to pile up on us. And so um, weight comes in the form of worry. Speaking of weight, okay, a few years ago, I went to the store, okay? I wanted to bulk up, okay? I wanted to get ripped like Ja, okay? I wanted to bulk up and, you know what I'm saying, get some muscles a few years ago. So I went to the store, okay? And I, because I was going to LA Fitness, and you can ask my wife, and, you know, we, we were going, and I stopped going, you know, um, to LA Fitness, and whatever, you know, you, you can judge me uh, all you want, okay? So I stopped going. And so I was like, okay, forget this. I'll just go to the store. I'll pick up some dumbbells. How about that? I'll pick up some dumbbells, and I'll work out from the house because we I wasn't going to the, you know, I wasn't going to the gym, and, you know, we're getting charged every month, and this is not okay. So let me get, pick up some dumbbells. I'll just work anytime, work out anytime from home, right? And so I'm 15 pounds, maybe not really. 15 pounds, I mean, maybe like 25, maybe. maybe I mean, but if you're really trying to bulk up, maybe like 30 or 35, maybe. I don't know, or what about like 40 pounds? 40 pounds is probably a good starting point, right? 40 pounds. So a few years ago, I went to um, Walmart, Walmart. Has anybody been to Walmart before? 
Anybody been to Walmart? Okay. Okay. Um, where are the weights in the Walmart? Um, is it in the front when you first walk in? No, it's just on the front, right? It's in the it's a back, typically kind of away, right, from the doors, right? So I went ahead and got me um, 40 pounds from Walmart a few years ago. This is 40 pounds, Ja. Yeah, you can look at it later, bro. Um, <laughs> this is 40 pounds, okay? And I'm in Walmart walking out with this, looking like a penguin, trying to get it. Am I going to put this in a cart? No, because I'm, I got to be macho. I got to lift this thing up and take it to the, the cashier. And so I'm over here looking like a penguin, like, why did I do this? Why did I do this? I got to get ripped. I got to get ripped. Why did this? Why did I do this? And I'm over here wobbling, looking silly with this weight in my hand that I'm carrying. I got this weight that I bought in my hand, and I'm looking silly. And so I wonder if we can do, do the same thing sometimes, where there's weight on us that we're trying to carry that does not belong to us. There's weight that we're trying to carry, and we kind of look a little silly. We're trying to think about all the things in our life, and we look a little silly trying to carry it. What weight is there in our life? And it may not be that you paid for it, but the weight of worry, it does cost. When we worry, it does cost us. It costs us time. You know, Jesus talks about that. Don't worry about your life. You can't add any more hours to the day if you keep worrying. Worry takes away from our time. It takes up energy when we worry. It, it costs us relationships. What relationships have been affected by us worrying about our life, about the people's life around us, what relationships, at what cost? It has cost us, unfortunately. And so weight comes in a form of worry, and the author is encouraging us, hey, remove every weight, remove the hindrance, remove the things that are an obstruction in your life. Not only that, but he's saying remove the weight and the sin that so easily entangles us. Remove the weight and the sin. All of us have different temptation. All of us do. We all do one way or, or the other. And that's just, that's just how it is. And, but God knows that, right? God is faithful, and he will not allow us to be tempt, tempted beyond what we are able to bear, but he will pro provide a way of escape. That's what the word says. But we're all being tempted. And I, I believe that the biggest temptation for all of us and the sin is the sin of unbelief, of unbelief. Because when we don't believe, we're doubting. And that doubt becomes a weight, that becomes a weight on us, that we don't really believe God who he is. We don't really believe that he's going to come through and, and do what he says he's going to do. And it becomes a weight on us that we don't have to carry. We don't have to carry that. And so this, this author is saying, hey, remove. We're surrounded by these great cloud of witnesses, by these people who went before us, David, Jonathan, all these people. Let's remove all the things and the sin that so easily entangles us. Whatever sin you may be struggling with, whatever sin that somebody doesn't know about that may, maybe has not been confessed yet, sin that only you are aware of, what is that sin? I believe a lot... If we're honest, I know for me, it could be a sin of unbelief. You know, we read the word and we can understand it and we can teach it, but when it comes down to it, Lord, are we willing to really believe you at your word? Remember the guy in the Bible? I mean, I thank God for people 
examples of people in the Bible who were human and we can relate to. That guy, his son was, was uh, sick or he was uh, demon-possessed, right? And he brought him to Jesus. And, and Jesus is saying, you want him to be healed? Yes. And, so, and the, the, the Jesus asked the father, hey, do you, do you believe? And the man said, yes, I do believe. Help my unbelief. Help my unbelief. And so God is not saying, you don't believe in me? Bro, get out of here. You know, he doesn't pass us off. He knows we have unbelief in our heart because life is hard and life has come and, and crushed us in places that we didn't necessarily account for. So let's remove the weight. Let's identify the sin. Let's do that. So my question is, how do we remove that weight? How do we remove that worry? Well, it's an exchange. It's an exchange. When I went to Walmart and got these stupid 40-pound weights, <laughs> pay with a card, and I got weights. It's an exchange. I paid for it. I got the weight. This is what Jesus says. Matthew 11, and I believe this is on the screen. If not, um, you can follow along. Matthew 11, it says, Come to me, all who are weary and burdened, and I will give you rest. Take my yoke upon you and learn from me, for I am gentle and humble in heart, and you will find rest for your souls. For my yoke is easy and my burden is light. When we come to the Lord, it should be an exchange. When we come to him with our burdens, with our baggage, with our worry, with our stress, anxiety, we should leave free. We should leave free. We should leave rested. His spirit should fill us with rest, with peace. It should be an exchange where we go to the Lord and we leave. If we go to the Lord in our, with our baggage and our burdens and we walk away feeling like we have more, that may be the weight of religious, religion, where we think that God is saying, you're not doing enough. You're not praying long. You're not reading your Bible. You're not studying hard. That could be the weight of religion. And God does not want that for any of us. When we go to him, we should feel rest in his presence and a peace that surpasses all understanding when we go before him. And so this author is reminding us, he's challenging us, when we <clears throat> go before God, give it, really give it to him. Really give it to him. And it's not going to be a one-day thing. It's not going to be overnight. But over time, this is what we should do. We go to him and we learn from him. That's what Jesus said. I, I think that's so interesting that Jesus said, hey, learn from me. Learn from me. I'm gentle and I'm humble in heart. That's who I am. That's my character. That's my nature. And so those two things is how we can remove the weight from our lives. Go to Jesus, learn from him. Go to Jesus, learn from him. But Lord, you don't understand. You don't understand the situation with my family. Go to Jesus, learn from him. But God, if you only knew, and I'm trying to go to Jesus, learn from him. Learn from him. And he has given us the greatest gift that anybody can ever have, which is his Holy Spirit. And the Bible tells us that the Holy Spirit, one of, one of the, its roles, one of his roles is that he will lead us into all truth. And that's how we can learn from Jesus is by the Holy Spirit, <clears throat> by allowing the Spirit to regularly speak to our hearts, regularly speak to us and challenge us on our thinking, on our thought patterns, on our ways. So this is what... Uh, the, God is saying that we remove every hindrance. How? Go to Jesus, learn from him. In Acts, um, you know, the early church, 
You know, they said they were devoted to the apostles' teaching. They were devoted to prayer. They were devoted to fellowship and the breaking of bread. There, there's so many ways, you know, just eating together, hanging out, so many ways we can learn from Jesus by talking to each other about life, by coming to church, by doing life with each other. Let's learn about him, how he is gentle and humble in heart. Amen? Another action or step that uh, those three verses point out is uh, not only that we need to, um, not only that we need to, um, I'm sorry, um, just remove any item, anything that is a hindrance, but we need to run with perseverance. Run with perseverance. So if you're still holding on to any sin, if you're holding on to any baggage, any weight, it's going to be hard for you to move. It's going to be hard for you to run. If you're weighed down by the worries of life, it's going to be hard for you to move. If sin, if you're allowing sin, if we're allowing sin to entangle us, either unbelief or any sin, personal sin we're dealing with, it will be hard to move around, hard to run. And so this is encouraging us to run, but not only just run, but run with perseverance. And this race is already marked out for us. The Bible says that the steps of the righteous are ordered by God. He already ordered your steps. God knows everything that's going to happen in your life from this moment on. And so we can run with perseverance. You know, uh, for me personally, when I recognize and I see that my mind is not filled with lies. Anybody ever deal with lies in your mind before? Anybody? Right? When it's not filled with lies, when I'm not worried about current issues, that there's this freedom. And it's almost like you have this breath of fresh air, right? And we can kind of see, we can kind of, we can see clearly when there's no lies in our mind, when there's no stress and worry, but there is this peace. And we can kind of see, we have clarity. It's almost like we're on a mountaintop and we can see everything. And everything makes sense in those moments where we're not worried about our life and where, where sin is not in our, it just bugging us. And by the grace of God, it's only by his grace that he's been giving me victory over temptation, victory over sin. And it allows you to be free and just see, and you see, you see him. And this is what he desires for everybody. This is what he desires for everyone. And so what do you see? Well, you see the finish line. You see the, like the whole goal. You see what our purpose is. You know, because Satan wants us to be right in here, focused on ourselves. But God is wanting to lift up our heads so we can see what's really going on, to see the world around us. And so what is this, what is this race then that we're called to? This is not on the screen, but you can follow along with me. Uh, this is Philippians 3, 13 through 14. It says, brothers and sisters, I do not consider myself yet, have, yet to have taken hold of it. He's talking about knowing Christ. But one thing I do, forgetting what is behind and straining towards what is ahead, I press on toward the goal to win the prize for which God has called me heavenward in Christ Jesus. The prize. What is the prize? Jesus he is the prize. We just were singing about that. He is our prize. He is the goal. The, the here and now is only the here and now. Our goal is heaven. Tomorrow is not promised to no one. 
Our goal is heaven. That's our prize, and he is our prize. So the author is encouraging us not to run only, not just live your life and walking with the Lord and, and running this race, but to run with perseverance. Why? Because life is hard. Can I get an amen? Life is hard. Life is tough, guys, for so many of us. It's not, it's not easy. It's, it's complicated. Life is complex. There's family issues, financial issues, relationship issues. It's not that simple. Life is complex. We get, we get interwoven with each other in each other's lives. We get really in there, or at least we try to. But at the same time, we're not human. So our human side will come out. And we'll, 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 we'll act out. We have difference of opinions. Not to mention everything that's happening in the world. Where you stand. Politically. Not to mention everything. Just right here in the body, it's just hard for us to do life. It's hard. There's sickness. There's death. There's chaos. There's sadness, there's confusion. Life is tough. But Jesus knows that. He knows that. He has overcome the world. And so we run with perseverance because life is difficult and Jesus is aware of that. The Bible says the rain falls on the just and the unjust. And so he's saying, hey, don't just run. Run with perseverance because you're going to need it. But look what the word says about our perseverance. I love this here, and I'm, I apologize. This is not on the screen, but if you have your Bibles, I'm going to Romans chapter 5, verse 3 through 5. Romans chapter 5. This says, not only so, but we also glory in our sufferings, or we celebrate in our sufferings, because we know that suffering produces perseverance. Can somebody say that with me? Suffering produces perseverance. Perseverance produces character, and character, hope. And hope does not put us to shame because God's love has been poured into our hearts through the Holy Spirit who, who has been given to us. Man, I love that. I love that. Suffering produces perseverance. God, there's got to be another way. I mean, there's got to be another way to teach. You, you said I can learn from you, right? Why don't you just tell me what to do and I'll do it? Why do we have to suffer? Why do we got to suffer, God? Why do we have to see our loved ones suffer? Come on. There's got to be another way, Lord. Suffering produces perseverance, okay? Perseverance produces character, character. We are beyond blessed and privileged that the God of the universe would choose us and live inside of us and form us and shape us into his image. God is forming you, working on you to become like him, so you can display the character of God. What? So that a dying world can see you and give glory to God and say there is hope because I know these people really love Jesus. I know they're really about it. I know they are. Suffering produces perseverance. Just like I was trying to work out with these stupid 40-pound bells. I'm sorry if somebody's offended by that word stupid. Um, I'll say dumb. That's okay. 
That, okay. <laughs> Moving along. <laughs> um, so, you know, we, you try to use these dumbbells, right? You try to use these dumbbells. And when you're, you know, I'm like, I'm, I don't even know what I'm doing. What is this? Nobody does this. <laughs> Curls. There we go. Thank you. Thank you. Uh, my man, Chris. Um, so when you're doing your curls, right, there's resistance. You have to persevere. There is pain happening in your body. It's pain happening, but it's producing muscle. That is the goal. It's producing muscle in your body. That is the outcome. The perseverance will produce muscle. And the, and the muscle, I mean, you get joy. Like, let's go. You see those calves right there? These, I have no calves at all. Th those are literally. Somebody asked me, why don't you wear shorts? You know why? Because I look like, it looks like, it looks like two um, toothpicks. If you have toothpicks and you just put like, that's why, okay? But you see results. You see results when you work out. Like, oh my gosh, look at those biceps, dude. What? There's results and you, there's hope. Okay, there's actually more. I can keep on going. In the same way, when we suffer, it produces perseverance. But perseverance produces character. You start to see development of who you are. And here's the test. Here's a test right here of when you know the character of God is at work inside of you. Your response to suffering. Your response to negativity. Your response to life circumstances. And I know I've failed thousands of times with my response to life. Thousands of times. But that is a test for to, if you know that the character of God is at work inside of you, which he is, but if you're allowing him to, to, to mold you, it's how we respond to life's suffering. So the author is encouraging us, hey, let's remove the weight. Let's remove the sin that so easily entangles us. Let's go to Jesus, learn from Jesus, allow the Holy Spirit to talk to you, allow the Holy Spirit to bring conviction, not condemnation, because there's no condemnation for those who are in Christ Jesus. Let's not put on, let's not hold more weight. Let's not hold it. Let's run with perseverance, knowing that we will suffer, but the, suffer, the suffering is producing in you. It's, it's productive. It's, it's, it's being productive in you. And, the, and thirdly, let's refocus on Jesus. The passage, says, the passage says, fix our eyes on Jesus, the pioneer and perfecter of faith, the author and finisher of our faith. What? He's a pioneer and perfecter of our faith. That's who he is. Has anybody started a project before and didn't finish it? It's okay. Don't be a, we're no condemnation. Oh, so all y'all. So all y'all start stuff and you finish it immediately. You're going to just lie to me in church. Okay, I see how it is, guys. I thought we were family here, okay? I know one person in this room who actually probably does that, <laughs> who starts stuff and finishes it. But I, I'm not like you guys. I'm not perfect like you guys. I start stuff and I don't finish it. I'm in the middle of 16 books right now, Okay. Okay, just start a book. Oh, this is awesome. Oh, my gosh, you saw that? All right, the next one. So this is, um, this is my lion, okay? I started it, but I did not finish it. You might be thinking, what in the biscuit is that? Okay, <laughs> this is my lion. We, me and Steph had a, uh, a date to that place. Um, uh, yep. I'm such a great husband. Um, what's the name of that place? Um, can't remember it. Yep. So what you do, you go, 
and you get these like ceramic type um, objects. And I probably picked the most difficult one. Like, you gotta be kidding me. It has a lot of grooves in this thing. She picked a plate that we still use that plate and it's awesome. It says Miller's, you know, established 2013. Really cool, just cute. And I picked a lion, okay? And I started it. But right, right now you're judging me. You're thinking like, bro, go ahead and throw that in the trash. But I'm telling you, when this thing gets done, it's going to be like, yo, let me see that. Can I borrow that line? Okay? That's what you're going to be saying to me. So it's, <laughs> Mary does not want the line. Okay. <laughs> so the back is not finished. Obviously, there's no color on there. There's no color. All right? But literally, there's so much grooves in here. You can't. All right? I just, it was hard to decide how I want to do this. But I will finish it. And next year, you'll finally see the, the end product. Okay? So that's my line. He'll stay here. Um, but... What does the word tell us? He who began a good work in you is faithful to bring it to completion. He began a good work in you. Jesus began a good work. It was a good work. Why? Because he's involved and he's a pioneer. He is the originator of your faith. He's the author of your faith. He started it. The Bible tells us that the reason we love is because he loved us first. He initiated this relationship. What? We had nothing to do with him. And you may have been a good person, but you had nothing to do with Jesus. He came into your life and disrupted everything, turned your life upside down, gave you hope, gave you joy, gave you purpose, gave you meaning, gave you a family, gave you life. This is what he did. That's who he is. He is a pioneer and perfecter of our faith. He initiated this relationship. And he will bring it to completion. Now, am I saying we'll kick back and relax and do nothing and just let God take it? Absolutely not. There's stuff we got to do. We got to work. Like our guys, you know, yesterday we were here working hard. That's right. And we were knocking out some of the, uh, the cabinets in the, the, the old kitchen. We we're going to work. Now, imagine if you came here and there was a cabinet in the sanctuary. You had doors, you know, laying on the floor like, okay, what are y'all doing? You, you, you did not finish your work. Okay? You're not finished. But that is not the way God works. When he starts something, he will complete it. He will finish it. Because he cannot go back on his promises. That's who he is. Pastor Adrian Rogers, a well-known pastor, um, speaker, um, he was with this guy uh, in Romania. And this uh, guy named, whose name is Joseph, and Joseph was getting um, persecuted, literally persecuted for his faith. And there was a revival happening in Romania, and he went to go speak at this conference. And um, he asked the, this pastor, uh, this other pastor, Joseph, like, hey, give me your feedback on, on, on Christianity, on American Christianity. What do you think about uh, just Christianity in America? And he was like, I don't know, man, I don't know. Uh, I'd rather not talk about that. And he was like, no, come on, just tell me, what, what do you think about American Christianity? And the guy, Joseph, um, said, well, the key word is commitment in America. And Pastor Adrian Rogers was like, yeah, I mean, yeah, we got to commit, you know, to the Lord. He's like, well, you know, I've looked in that, that same word and tried to find the translation in Romania, and there's no translation for that word, commitment. It, was only, it only came about in the 60s. And every time there's a new word, it replaces an old word. And the new word that it replaces was the word surrender. Surrender. 
And he was telling Adrian Rogers, when we commit to something, we are in control. But when we surrender, we are not in control. We are not in control. Will you surrender your time, your energy, your talents to the pioneer and perfecter of your faith? He made a commitment. He made a promise. And our responsibility is to surrender to him and say, Lord, have my life. Take my life. I have nothing because without you, Lord. Take my life. So let's refocus on Jesus. Who is he? He's the author and perfecter of our faith. What did he do? He endured the cross. He despised the shame, and he sat down at the right hand of the throne of God. Wow. Talk about suffering. Jesus suffered tremendously on our behalf. Jesus suffered tremendously. Why did he do it? It says, for the joy set before him, he endured the cross. For the joy set before him. What is that joy? That we would be with him for all eternity. That we would be with Jesus for all eternity. He cannot wait for that day. You think you get excited about stuff? Anybody, anybody here get way, like, very excited about stuff? Yeah, that's what I'm talking about. That's what I'm talking about. Who likes surprises? Who likes surprises? These are people who can get rid of control. Okay, who doesn't like surprises? Oh, don't surprise me. Don't stick up on me. Okay, right? So he is excited. He cannot wait for the day we will all be together with him in heaven. He cannot wait. John 17, verse 3 says, now this is eternal life. This is eternal life. This is what it's all about. That they may know you, the only true God, and Jesus whom you have sent. This is why Jesus endured the cross, for the joy set before him, that we'd be him, be with him, and know him. And I'm coming to a close here. Lastly, as we remove the weight, remove the sin that so easily entangles us, the problems that we have, the, the worry, the weight of worry, the weight of maybe re religion, we'll run the race with perseverance, knowing that God is inside of us. He is shaping us. He's molding us into his image to look like him. We're refocusing on Jesus, refocusing, fixing our eyes, as we just sang, turn our eyes on Jesus. And everything else, I mean, it just fades away. The problems that seem so big, they don't seem as big anymore when we just turn to Jesus, when we refocus on him. And lastly, let's remember Jesus, remember him, remember what he has done. The verse, verse 3 closes by saying, Consider him who endured such opposition from sinners so that you will not grow weary and lose heart. The cloud of witnesses experienced their share of suffering. They experienced their own hardship and opposition from sinners. I'm just going to read this. I'm going to ask you guys to come back if you, if you don't mind as we come to a close. I'm just going to read. This is the verse, the chapter before where uh, the author is talking about all the, the suffering that these cloud of witnesses went through. It says, and what more can I say? This is too short for me to tell you 
There's no time to tell you about Gideon, Barak, Samson, Japheth, David, Samuel, and the prophets who by faith conquered kingdoms, administered justice, obtained promises, shut the mouths of lions, quenched the raging of fire, escaped the edge of the sword, gained strength and weakness, became mighty in battle, and put foreign armies to flight. Women received their dead, raised to life. Other people were tortured, not accepting release, so that they may gain a better resurrection. Others experienced mockings and scourgings, as well as bonds and imprisonment. They were stoned, they were sawn in two, they died by the sword, they wandered about in sheepskins, in goatskins, destitute, afflicted, and mistreated, and the world was not worthy of them. They wandered in deserts and on mountains, hiding in caves and holes in the ground. These are the cloud of witnesses, what they suffered, what they went through. And we can look to them for hope for encouragement to to know that, man, you know, they went through these things and some of them died going through this for encouragement. But their death did not save you. Their death did not save you. Jesus, the author, the pioneer of your faith, the one who called you by name, who knows every single hair on your head, who knew you before you were in your mother's womb, his death does save you. His death does save you. He rescued you from the domain of darkness and transferred you into the kingdom of his son. His death did save you. His suffering, his suffering was so that we would have life. So we would see that in our suffering, he is still good. In our suffering, he is still working. He is still producing in us himself. He's still producing us. So be encouraged this morning to continue to refocus on Jesus. Remember his suffering. Remember his suffering. He died in our place. Refocus on him. Run the race that is already marked out for you. It's already set. It's already set for you. And remove any obstacle. Remove hindrances by going to him. Go to him. Everything in prayer. Join me in prayer as we close. Father God, thank you so much for your grace. Thank you for your mercies, Lord. Thank you, Father God, for your forgiveness. God, we can always come to you, always come to you in our weakness. You're not ashamed of us. You're not embarrassed. You're not shocked. Thank you, Father God, that you are here with us now. Thank you, Jesus, that you died in our place, Lord. That you who knew no sin became sin, Father God so that we might become the righteousness of God. Thank you, Lord, that we're made righteous because of you. Help us, Lord, in any area of our life. If it's obstacles, if it's weight, if it's worry that we're holding on to, burdens we haven't released to you, Lord, help us to show them to you. Help us to identify that and really give it to you, Lord. Lord, help us to run 
not for others to see, but for you, an audience of one, Lord. Help us to run after you and keep our minds focused on you, Lord, the author and perfecter of our faith. For the joy set before you, Lord, you endured the cross, the painful cross, Lord. We will never know. We will never know the amount of pain and suffering you went through, Lord. We will never know what that's like. Thank you, Jesus, for your death has given us life. Father God, as we just come to worship you again, we thank you for giving us life. We thank you for making us whole. We thank you for giving us your spirit. Lord, continue to teach us as we learn from you. Thank you, Father God, for your word. Thank you for your faithfulness. And we pray all these things, Lord, in your mighty name. We all say, amen, amen, amen. So at this time, Facebook, friends and family, thank you all for being here and joining us. Um, we'll see you next week. Love you all. Um,